Two scripture readings today, one from the 10th chapter of Acts, starting in the 44th verse. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have been received, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. And from 1 John, the fifth chapter, starting at the first verse, we hear this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water, but only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is truth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I was ordained to a church in west central Missouri, outside of Kansas City, in a university town. Central Missouri State University was there, known for its great music program, which meant the church had a great music program. But the director of the library at Central Missouri State was also a member of our church. And he was a man who was born in India. And even though he had been educated in England and was very well read, he had really a rather thick accent, but he would sometimes serve as liturgist in the church. And it was always very interesting when he did, because even if he was reading something out of the Bible, he would correct it when he read it. And he did it automatically without even realizing he was doing it. But if the Bible, for example, said, in the beginning, God created. This gentleman would say, instead would say, in the beginning, the God created. So anytime that we would see a capital G somewhere for God, he would add the article, the God And I always found that fascinating. And then the pastor, of course, had to explain to me. He didn't really have to, but he chose to explain to me that growing up in India, this man lived in a, in a Hindu world where there are literally thousands of gods that they can choose from. And that when he converted to Christianity, oh, no, 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 no. He converted to the religion of the God the one and only God, the one that Jesus the Christ represented 
as the only way to salvation. Profoundly controversial statement I just made there, by the way. You all should be gasping and falling out of your chairs. Even in contemporary Christianity, it's not always believed that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation now. But 1 John wants us to believe that. 1 John starts out by saying, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, then... But in order to get anywhere, in an understanding that 1 John has, you must first understand that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one and only the one that we have been waiting for for centuries, the one that will carry us through for even more, and the one that will bring the way, the truth, and the life that will bring us to God the Father. So that's the first thing that 1 John says to us. You must believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Christ. Well, then it goes on to say some very interesting things. You know the Son of God because you know the parent. You know the Father. Mothers, does this make sense to you? If I look at your children, do I know you? Do I know the kind of home you have? Do I know the kind of mother you are? Depends on the day, maybe some of you say. What's your child doing today and how is he acting? I remember once talking to a friend of mine and she was telling me about her young adult son who I had never met because he um, lives in Morgantown, is not here in Wheeling. And, um, and I love her other two kids who are high school age. And she was saying to me, you would love my son. He's great. He's, you know, he's handsome and he's polite and he would talk to you and have great conversation. And you just really would love him. And she was trying to make the case for what a great kid he was and why I would love him because of that. And I remember thinking to myself and wishing I had said, no, I would love him because he's yours right? I mean, this is my friend. This is somebody I love. This is somebody whose kids I love. I I don't need to be convinced to love your son. He's yours. And if we love God the Father, we don't need to be convinced to love the Son. He is of the Father. God is trustworthy. We can take his word for that. We can love the Son. But then he goes on to say in 1 John, and if if you love God, the Father, you, you will follow his commands. Well, that ma- mothers, that makes sense to you too, doesn't it? 
How many of you at one time in your child-rearing days have said, I am your mother, and then gone on to say something totally ridiculous that you've regretted for the next 10 years? Right? I am your mother. Listen to me. Quentin, without being cued today, what's the run rule your mother has? Listen. Right? Follow my rules. Listen to me. When I was a kid, and some of you, a few of you may have realized that as a human creature, I am fundamentally opposed to mornings. It's not something I believe in. I believe there is only one five o'clock in the day, and it does not start, it does not end with a.m., okay? Um, But when my mother, when I was in high school particularly, my mother almost every morning would almost be apoplexic because she could not get me out of bed to go to school. And she was a teacher, so she needed to be there earlier than the regular you know, appointed time, which drove me crazy. And I've now come to realize, yes, I was impossible to get out of bed in the morning, but I was an, an unmedicated diabetic at the time. You know, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning when I was in high school because my blood sugar was probably about four. For those of you who don't know, it's supposed to be like 124 or something like that. Trying to get me out of bed in the morning was an unreasonable rule in my household, in my opinion. But here's, a, here's another example, because in this text, First John, it says very clearly, my rules are not burdensome. God doesn't give us unreasonable rules to follow. So I remember once going over to my dad's house, and my brother goes, wait till you hear this. He said, we got new carpet. You're not allowed to walk on it. I said, what are you talking about? You're not allowed to walk on the new carpet. He said, go ahead and try. And I go in, and I start stomping in the... And my stepmother goes, get out of that room with your shoes on. You're not allowed in there if you don't take your shoes off. So from then on, every time we came in the house, you took your shoes off and laid them on a mat, and then you could tromp around anywhere in the house you wanted. Now that may have seemed like an unreasonable rule the first two or three times we did it, but after we got it down pat, it was a habit was an unreasonable rule. wasn't burdensome. My life didn't change any way dramatically from following the rule, but it made my mother really happy. And we did it because it made her really happy. You see how this works? We follow Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ of God, because we know God the Father And as we do that, 
God gives us rules to follow that are not burdensome and not unreasonable, but rules that we can live by to follow God better. And what is the primary rule, commandment, law that we're given? It is what Jesus says when he's asked, what's the rule we follow? Love God and love one another. Don't be burdened by that. It's not oppressive. It's not difficult. All we must do is turn to God the Father in love. And because we do, we will want to love God's other children. Those in our families, those who sit beside us on Sunday mornings, those whom we meet outside these walls who need our help, those around the world who are children of God. Love God. Love one another. Not burdensome. Not unreasonable, but a joy given to us as we turn to our heavenly parent in wonder and obedience. Thanks be to God. Amen.